Tonight, I want to continue the series on casting out demons. Casting out demons. We have done four parts so far, and tonight will be the concluding parts. When another time God releases me, I will share things in that vein. But we have looked at what demons are. We have looked at their origins, and we've looked at their nature. And then we also looked at the fact in the second series that they also cause diseases. A lot of them can inhabit one person, and we looked at that. And then the third series, we looked at how to cast demons out. So we said that we employ the name of Jesus that is above every name. The name of Jesus. Jesus himself said that when we go out to preach the gospel, he said, and this sign shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. And so in his name, we cast demons out. It is superior to any other name. It is superior to any other object. And then we also learned that we also use the word of God. And the Bible says, and he cast demons out by his word. He cast the spirits out by his word. And so we saw the example of the Luke chapter 4 account of the temptation of Jesus that he used the word of God. He consistently said, it is written, and Satan himself was defeated by the word. That means all demons also subject themselves to the word and they depart by the authority of the word of God because the word of God is law. And then we also learned that we need to create an atmosphere, a lifestyle of fasting and prayer that facilitates our relationship with the Holy Spirit and it creates an atmosphere for the movement of the presence and the glory of God. Then we also learned that we need to walk in holiness, which is the fourth thing that we need to do in preparatory grounds or preparing ourselves for an atmosphere that creates the presence of God that helps us to cast demons out. Demons will not be able to prevail against those that walk in holiness and in the fear of the Lord. So we, we learned these things and they are very important. And, and one thing that we can also add to it is that when we preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ, it agitates demons. It provokes their presence. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that I... I was determined to write to you that which I also believed, that Jesus Christ was crucified and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. This is the gospel. When the true gospel is preached that points people to the salvation only through the name of Jesus, demons are agitated. They don't like that because that is the truth. Remember that the devil doesn't carry the truth. The truth is the word of God. And when the truth of the real gospel is preached, the powers of darkness are agitated. They manifest their presence and they can easily be cast out by the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon the believer. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've seen all this learning that we have had in the past four um, teachings or episodes. Tonight, I want us to look at different kinds of evil spirits. Different kinds of evil spirits. There are so many things out there. We will limit ourselves to what scripture has mentioned. In the name of Jesus Christ, so that we are not in error or we don't deviate from the word of God. Demonic spirits of different ranks and assignments exist in the spiritual realm. Demonic spirits of different ranks and of different assignments exist in the spiritual realm. Remember when Jesus cast that demon out, that deaf and dumb spirit out of the boy in Mark chapter 9. 
Later, his disciples came to him and they asked him privately, why couldn't we cast this one out? Then he said to them, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This kind of demon will not leave except by a combination of preparation of fasting and prayer. And I told you last week or two that the apostles, the nine of them who were struggling to cast this demon out, were not new to the ministry of casting demons out. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus had sent them two by two and had given them authority over all unclean spirits. And the Bible said that they went everywhere and they preached the gospel and they cast out demons and they healed many by anointing them with oil. So in chapter 6 of Mark, they had cast demons out. But in Mark chapter 9, whilst Jesus was on the mount, which we have come to call the Mount of Transfiguration, on that mount in Mark chapter 9, the Bible says he went up the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Remember, he had 12 apostles. And out of the 12, he picked three of them who were the inner circle, and he took them up on a prayer retreat up the mountain. And they were there for some time. And the Bible says whilst they were away, the nine apostles who had been left at the base of the mountain, a crowd gathered around them. The crowd acknowledged that these people walked with Jesus and they were apostles of Jesus. And so the, the man, a man among them brought his son who was possessed with an evil spirit and he throws the boy down. The Bible described the condition as making the boy suffer from being lunatic. He convulses. Um, he suffers from moonstruck. These are epileptic seizures. And the Bible said that a demon was responsible for that. And for all the period that they were there, the scripture didn't tell us the number of days, but they couldn't cast the demon out. And when Jesus came out finally from the mountain after being transfigured and Elijah and Moses had appeared and his disciples had come down with him, the Bible says that he saw a crowd and he questioned them. And then the man said, I brought my son for your disciples to cast the demon out, but they could not. And Jesus commanded the demon to come out of the boy. And the boy was delivered. And when he came home, his disciples asked him, why couldn't we cast this one out? And Jesus used the word, this kind, this kind, that means that there were many kinds. This kind could not go except by fasting and prayer. And so that suggests to us that there are different kinds of demons. Demons are real. For Jesus to tell us to cast them out means that they exist. And when we teach about them, it is because Jesus said we should cast them out. So every responsible pastor and every responsible church must teach the people the existence of demons and to cast them out. Demons are not powerful than us. We are more powerful than them, but we cannot, in the name of not trying to mention them at all, stay there and don't teach the people and they exist and they can prevail against believers. Demons cannot possess a believer, but they can harass a believer. They can afflict a believer. They can torment a believer. It is your soul that is inhabited by the Holy Spirit, your spirit man. A demon cannot possess you, but a demon can harass and afflict a believer. But for unbelievers and the rest of the world that are not under the power of God through prayer and supplication of the saints, demons will run amok 
and do things until the last day. So we need to understand that they are real. As we saw throughout the previous four episodes, we will see that they cause diseases, they cause afflictions, they cause troubles, they cause problems in marriages, they cause problems in families. They supervise cases. They are in charge of every form of evil that we can think about. And they oppose the plans of God and the works of God. They work with Satan to execute these things. They are disembodied beings. They don't have flesh and blood as us. That is why they seek expression through humans or animals or objects. Hallelujah. So they seek expression of their will into time because they are spiritual beings. And they can't accomplish this without somebody providing them the opportunity to do so. Now, the scripture tells us that we are at war. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 6. It says, for though we walk in the flesh. In other words, even though we are human beings and we walk in the physical realm, we do not wage war according to the flesh. So there are real things that happen in the realm of the spirit. Now, let me chip in this before I proceed. Sometimes you hear people say, when you don't believe these things, they won't do anything to you. That is a blatant lie from the kingdom of darkness. You see, when people don't know God and we pray and call on their names, we call their names and we call on God and intercede for them to be saved. They don't believe, but for some reason, the prayer works on them. In the same way, if you don't believe the existence of these things, it doesn't mean they don't exist. When someone takes someone to a shrine and you have done what is wrong, you will find out that the thing will work against you. Satanic power will operate against you. When we were growing up, we had a brother in church, not Christ church, but in the church I was growing up in. And this brother was a very, very active brother. His, his elder brother was a pastor in the church. And this brother was working as an apprentice in a shop. And then one day, he stole something. I'm just telling you because of the history now. But at the time, we were not even sure whether he stole the thing or not. But something got missing in the workshop. And the, and the manager of the place asked every member of staff, including all the apprentices, who stole this thing? Everyone denied. And then he... After a few days of asking, he now threatened that the thing was so valuable that he wasn't going to let it lie down. He doesn't know God. He doesn't fear God. He knows the gods of his village. And he went to, to pronounce a curse on the one that stole the thing. And so when he said he was going to curse the people who have stolen it, and I'm not talking about curse as we use in, in Europe as in a swear word, but I'm talking about the involvement of satanic rituals against a person to suffer penalty for an evil or anything that they have done. Using satanic power to supervise a curse to bring disaster and affliction and hardship and ultimately death upon the person. So this man goes to the shrine and does some ritual there. He came back and said he has actually traveled to his village and he has done these things. I do remember this brother... We used to call him mighty man. He said that, well, he said he has gone to the but I refuse it. I reject it. It will not stand against me. But after some few days, he started falling ill. And then he started, you know, bloating and swelling. And it became incurable. They rushed him to hospital. Within two weeks, he was dead. 
The man who went to do the thing says, I'm giving everybody 14 days. If you stole this thing and you are not owning up, you will die. 14 days exactly, this brother died. A few days before he died, I think two or two days before his death, he confessed to his brother that he was the one that stole it. You see, he was born again, all right. But you have let in a door. A door has been opened. You lied. You broke the word of God. You stole. You've broken the word of God. Satan will have an advantage over you. And the curse was pronounced and he died a death he should not die. Now you can't tell me these things don't exist. They exist. We are not projecting them. But that's why God told us in his word that when we preach the gospel, we will come up against the enemy. And the powers of darkness will be deployed. But the people of God must have understanding of the word of God. And be able not to take these things for granted. The Bible says we are not ignorant of his devices. So as a believer, you cannot walk in ignorance of the entities of darkness and spiritual things. You need to be careful to know that these things will just not happen unless something is provoked. And that's why the scripture tells us to walk in holiness so that the evil one will not touch you. This brother is born again, but he broke spiritual rules. And when they check it in the spirit, he stands no chance. Don't just quote a costless case will not stand. If you stole, you have a cost. You have a cost. There is a cost for the curse to stand. Don't take spiritual things for granted in the name of the Father you are born again. That's why when we are born again, we must walk in line with the word of God. To preserve us and to protect us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Paul teaches in the New Testament and he says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not physical, but they are mighty in God to pull down strongholds. He says our warfare is spiritual, it's not physical. Just for you to bear that in mind. To cast down strongholds, to cast down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. These things he's mentioning are avenues by which satanic power is entrenched. When he says strongholds, and then he talks about cast down arguments or imaginations, and then every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Amen. Now, the scripture I quoted earlier on in Mark chapter 9, we have his counterpart in Matthew 17, 21. I want us to read that shortly, and then we move on to, at least I can share about three Three or four different kinds as scripture has mentioned in Jesus name. Amen. But it doesn't matter what kind. It's always important to know that you can cast them out. And that they submit to the name of Jesus. Amen. The word of God. A holy life. Hallelujah. And prayer and fasting puts you in that mood. And these things operate in families. Family cases are supervised by demons. When we carry what it takes to silence them. And command them out. Families will be free. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Curses. Some, some kinds of barrenness are not ordinary. They are spiritual in nature. They are marriages that the devil has put his voice there. Voices have been launched out. Satanic altars have been raised to speak against people. These are real things in the realm of the spirit. And people of God must be spiritually alert and sensitive in the name of Jesus. When you say this, you are not being superstitious. This is the truth. And for all you know, this is one of the strategies of the devil for people to forget his existence and then he continues to cause harm. Because the strength of your enemy does not lie in only his power, but his power to conceal his identity is the secret of his power. 
The strength of your enemy is in his power to conceal his identity. So long as he hides his identity, he can continue to harm you because he makes you ignorant of his existence. And that's why sometimes you've got some terrible friends. They are the ones killing you, but they are the ones that smile with you. That's why it's taking you a long time to pick them out. That's why last week I said the other thing we need to cast demons out is the oppression of spiritual gifts. The gift of discerning of spirits to pick what exactly is going on there. The spiritual ability granted by the Holy Spirit to distinguish different kinds of demons. Amen. Or different kinds of spirits. The spirit of God, the spirit of the devil or demons, and the human spirit. Amen. Amen. And that's why when we hear something, we need to be sure whether it is God, the devil, or our own human spirit. Another time I will teach, the title of that message will be, I have heard God. We will preach that one. And I will show you how to handle those things. Amen. But let's move on. He says, however, this kind, Matthew 17, 21, does not go out, but by prayer and fasting. This suggests, therefore, there are different kinds and rankings of demons. They play certain roles. Some become specialists in some area. And in the previous teaching, we saw Jesus a deaf and dumb person came to you and said, deaf and dumb spirit, come out. And so that means that this spirit is responsible for deafness and dumbness. The scripture also tells us that there was a man, Jesus gave an example and said, when an evil spirit goes out of a man, he goes to Rome in dry places and comes back to check on the state where he left. And then he says, I'll go back to my house where I came from. May you not be the dwelling place of a demon Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. He says, he'll bring seven more spirits more wicked than himself, so that the final state of that man will be worse than before. That means that demons cause so much destruction in many families and many homes. They are, some of these things are very real. In, in secondary school, we had people who were brilliant. They were doing well, etc. And then they, you just go and take somebody's comb and use, and something has been used against it, and all kinds of things begin to develop around your head and your ears and, and your skin. This, these are real things. And, and, and you don't play with certain things. You need to be spiritual. Hallelujah. Amen. You need to be aware of these things. Now, let's look at them. One, the first example of uh, spirits I want to talk about are tormenting or vexing spirits. Tormenting or vexing. They mean the same thing. To torment or to vex. Vexing spirits. A vexing spirit is a demon that comes to oppose your mind and bring depression, fear, torments, and excessive worry. It works on the mind, torments your peace, responsible for all forms of depression, anxiety, excessive worry, fear, some kind of phobias. They, you can't deal with them medically. They, there's an excessive fear. That leads to all kinds of problems in your health. A vexing spirit or a tormenting spirit is a demon that comes to oppose your mind, bring depression, fear, torments, and excessive worry. You know, to torment means to bring great mental suffering and unhappiness. Great mental suffering and unhappiness or great physical pain. You know, there are some pain that no matter what scans and x-rays are performed, they are still there. And it gets to a point doctors have no clue what is going on because doctors still have limitation. But the God who made us 
is different. The spirit realm controls the natural realm. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says the things we see are not made of things that do appear. So there's certain things there. Illnesses that have spiritual origins. And it doesn't matter what is done. It doesn't go away. It's still there. It takes the power of God and the presence of God. The leading of the Holy Ghost and the anointing of God. To cast those demons out. And to free those people in the name of Jesus. That's why as a believer, you must not accept things as they are. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by the leading of the Holy Spirit. We don't interpret things as men sees them. We don't accept things and say that things should take their natural course. Things must take their supernatural course. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So a vexing spirit is a demon that comes to oppose and cause great mental suffering and unhappiness. To vex also means to feel annoyed. To make someone feel frustrated. Worried in all kinds of matters. Even trivial matters. It torments the mind. Please come with me to Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21 to 22. It says, Then Jesus went from there and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Matthew 15, 21 to 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried to him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, you son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. Grievously tormented with a demon. In those days, they were able to tell a situation is demonic. Just as sometimes they were not able to cast it out. That's why you have parents carrying their children and running to Jesus to say cast the demon out. They can tell something is beyond natural help. It was not because there were no doctors there. There were doctors in the days. Luke. The one who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts was a physician. He was a doctor. There were doctors in those days. And so if they were treating it, they could treat. But there are some of them, they look at it and realize this is beyond us. And so the Bible tells us, the woman said, my daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. That means this girl is behaving in some strange ways. She's being afflicted. She's in some mental state. She is in a state of unhappiness, of depression, a combination of everything. And when you look at some of those people, you can tell something is significantly wrong here. And sometimes Satan does things and will work with such natural laws that you will have to explain it legally or medically. But there's something else behind it. May our eyes be open and may we exercise our authority. In the name of Jesus. I'm teaching you these things to let you know first and foremost that so long as you are born again and you walk in the process that I have taught you in the word of God, you will cast demons out. You will take authority over them. They can be mighty, but God is almighty. Amen. They can be powerful, but God is all powerful. Amen. And that is what you need to settle in your heart in the name of Jesus. Remember as we said last week or two. Some people use the name of Jesus, but because they didn't have a foundation of a holy relationship with him, a demon overcame them. So the name of the Lord is not just a formula to use. The vessel must also be proper. Amen. 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 Now Matthew 17, 14 to 15. It says, when they approached the crowd, a man came to Jesus Kneeling before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic, or he's moonstruck, or he's vexed. 
and suffers terribly. I told you to vex means to suffer terribly. Suffer many things, afflictions. He suffers terribly. He says, a demon has taken over. For he often falls into the fire and often into water. And I brought him to your disciples and they were not able to heal him. Jesus answered, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy. And the boy was healed at once. Something was causing the vexations and the trouble and the torment in the life of the boy. You can't predict it. He will fall into things. And sometimes then you have to be careful because you don't know whether to let him to go to school or not. Because he may fall down on the streets at any time. Anything can happen to him. A demon was responsible until Jesus showed up on the scene and commanded that particular demon to come out of him. And when he even asked the father, how long has this been there? In the Mark 9 account, the father said, from childhood. I pray in the name of Jesus this evening, whatever has tormented you from childhood, I command it to live now Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so the Bible says, Jesus healed it. And then we have heard it many times in this teaching. Verse 20, he answered, the disciples came to him. So why couldn't we drive this one out? And he says, because of your little faith. For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if you have faith like the size of a master seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move into the sea and nothing shall be impossible. Verse 21, but this kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So we see that this demon afflicts, torments and vexes the spirit and minds, the soul of people. Luke chapter 6 verse 17. We are still looking at this kind of spirit vexing or tormenting spirits torments your sleep you're unable to sleep torments your soul torments your health torments your mind and the bible says that he came down with them and stood on a level place Luke 6 17 to 18 and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a vast multitude of people from all over Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon who had come to listen to him and to be healed of their diseases. And the Bible says that even those who were vexed or troubled or tormented, all these are various translations of the Bible, those who were vexed, troubled or tormented by demons were cleansed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And verse 19, and where the Bible says that a whole multitude sought to touch him, for virtue went out of him and healed them all. So the Bible says that people who were vexed with unclean spirits, so these spirits really causes troubles, afflictions, torments. And the Bible says they were delivered because Jesus dealt with them. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 16. Verse 16. In the Amplified, it says, And the people from the towns in the vicinity of Jerusalem came together, were coming together, bringing the sick and all those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all 
healed. Their sicknesses was as a result of torments, tormenting spirits that are troubling them, tormenting them. To torment means to really torture. You are not able to sleep. You report it. You are taking every medication. The thing is still where it is. No change, nothing at all. Tonight, in Jesus' name, we command every tormenting spirit in your life to live in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible mentions the fact that when King Saul rebelled against God, God allowed a tormenting spirit, an evil spirit from the Lord. It doesn't mean that that evil spirit is a special spirit in, in God's presence in heaven. No. God allowed it. When it says an evil spirit from the Lord, it means that God permitted it. God removed the defense from the king. And an evil spirit came to him to torment him. And that tormenting spirit was exactly what I'm describing. The king could not sleep. It was as if he's having schizophrenic, you know, attacks. He's, he just can't sleep. And it must take someone like David to play the harp for him to be able to go back to sleep. That means that David was anointed, said that as he played, the evil spirit have to depart from the king temporarily so that the, thing, the king can sleep. May you be anointed in Jesus' name. Amen. That even when you play, demons will leave in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in verse 14 of First Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel 16. Sometimes when you teach, you need to open the scripture. Some people just think you are just saying some things. So let's look at the scripture to prove it. 1 Samuel 16. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. 16, 14 to 15. And then we will look at verse 23. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, the king. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. I've explained what this phrase means from the Lord. And Saul's servants therefore said to him, Behold, an evil spirit from God is troubling you. Now when this thing is happening, it's not something that is secret. It's become so obvious that everyone could see something is wrong with that boy. Something is wrong with that girl. Something is wrong with that man. Something is wrong with that woman. Everyone of his council could see something terribly has changed about the king. He's been tormented by demons. He cannot sleep. He cannot rest. He can't do anything. And sometimes you've seen people being tormented like that. Some time ago, I was in a European country and I was ministering. And I was taken to a home of a lady. And for several years, she cannot sleep. She cannot, the only thing, she can't sleep. She's had a terrible attack by the powers of darkness. She has been pushed spiritually and had fallen. And something strange has happened into her spinal column. And she could not stand nor do anything. And all that she could do was to lie down a few minutes, like one minute. Sit a few minutes. Stand a few, just say one minute, one minute. That kind of life for a whole 24-hour period. That is torment. That is torment. And by the grace of God, I was introduced to this lady and I got to her house. And by the grace of God, the Lord revealed what was working behind the scenes. God used me to indicate which part of her home country this was coming from, which particular home I mentioned a surname, etc., and where this has cooked from and what has happened. And by prayer and by intercession, she was totally delivered by the grace of God. And I want you to understand tonight that God still saves. And the word of God is real. An evil spirit. A tormenting spirit came to torment King Saul. And the Bible says it was obvious. So his servants said to him, 
An evil spirit is tormenting you. So verse 23, I just have to cut it short. The Bible said they went looking for someone who could come in to play so that the king can rest and to rest. And the Bible says, and it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So whenever David, the things happen to the king, maybe he's just frothing his mouth and just doing some crazy stuff. Suddenly the king is crazy. David will just come, play, pat him until the king sleeps. A tormenting spirit troubling him. Everyone that worked with him saw that he's mad. May God help you in the name of Jesus. And what it does is that sometimes they, they suggest thoughts, suicidal thoughts, evil thoughts, self-harming thoughts, frightful thoughts. They whisper frightful thoughts. You are about to die. Kill yourself. You are about to fail. Nothing is going to work for you. All these things begin to play on you until you give up. They work in the minds. That's why the scripture says, cast down imaginations. When a vexing spirit is suggesting negative things, you must cast it down in the name of Jesus. Thoughts to harm yourself begin to creep into your mind. Frightful things. Something that there's nothing to panic about. You will jump and panic and may end up rather having a car knock you down. You may drive into a ditch when no one is following you. Because some kind of spirit is harassing your mind and tormenting you. May the Lord deliver people from set thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It is true that one, one can occasionally have a bad day, but I'm talking about this that is consistent and regular and is being supervised by a demon. A daily life of oppression, depression, discouragement, and feeling of hopelessness. Demons easily take over. And how do we deal with a vexing spirit? Remember, the general rule for all of them, in the name of Jesus Come out. In the name of Jesus, I silence you and I command you out and enter me no more. Enter not my child anymore. Enter not my home anymore. These, these spirits, this is how you deal with them. First of all, you take authority over it and command the demon in the name of Jesus to leave. Secondly, resist the thoughts and direct your thoughts to good things. Resist the thoughts. And direct your thoughts to good things and the promises of God. Remember Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 must be your anchor of scripture. It says, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any praise and if there be any thought, Think on these things. It's a hard work, but you must intentionally direct your mind to good thoughts. Promises of the word of God. That God said that he has a future for you and a hope for you. Begin to play on the word of God. Confess the word of God. Speak the word of God. Apply the word of God. Dwell on the promises of God and change what you are thinking about. Amen. Intentionally move it. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians 2.8. Let me, let me go there with you and show you something very quickly from there. Philippians 2.8. It's a mindset that you must develop. Amen.
I want us to look at something. It says we should, we should pick on the mind of Christ. Let's, let's pick it from verse um, 8. It says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says, let this mind, verse 5, he says, let this mind be in you. When you are going through things like this, the mind, the mind is key. The mind is key. He says, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. So it's very, very important that you, you prepare your mind to be able to take Things from a different perspective. When suggestions of negativity are coming in, you must reject it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You must reject every thought in Jesus' name. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. Philippians 4, 6 to 8. Let that mind be there. Let that mind, the mind, the mind. In Jesus' name. Now let's take it from verse 6, Philippians 4, 6 to 8 says, Be anxious for nothing. Instead of the anxiety that have been sown by a vexing spirit in your mind. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then when you let your request be made known to God, there is a peace of God which surpasses all understanding, which will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus. You must release the thing by prayer. And then that anxiety. Whatever you worry about. That will not solve the problem. The enemy will be fed. If we continue to worry. So when a vexing spirit is in operation. You must guard your mind. And be anxious for nothing. Lift prayer. Lift the whole matter in the hands of God in prayer. It says the peace of God. Will guard your heart and your mind. Then it says in verse 8. Then brethren, finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Hallelujah. Amen. So he's saying that after you have released the prayer, don't entertain that negative thought again. Replace it. Because there's no vacuum anywhere. Replace it by actually intentionally thinking about things which are true. Remember Jesus said, when the evil spirit comes out, he will like to come back. So you must not create a vacuum for it to come back. It must come to feel, see a mind and a body full of the word. In Jesus' name. So think on these things. Things which are true. What the voice is saying to you, is it true? Reject it in Jesus' name. So we said that, take authority over it, command it to live in Jesus' name, resist the thought, and direct your thoughts to good things and promises of God, Philippians 4, 6-8, and then Philippians 2, 8. Secondly, lift up praises, or thirdly, lift up praises, the garment of praise, sing a song of praise, sing aloud, change the atmosphere, speak praise phrases, declare the praise of the Lord. Speak it into the environment. David came. He played the app. An atmosphere of that brings the presence of God. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. 
So when we begin to lift up praise, we bring the presence of God into the place, into the life of the person. We can play it by through the medium of music in terms of the equipment, your, your sound system, your iPods, your iPads, whatever. Just play and also sing it out in the name of Jesus. Let this be the consistent atmosphere. So when we apply all of this, we begin to overcome that entity, a vexing and a tormenting spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Let your house be filled with the word of God, the sound of God. Sometimes get an audio CD and play out the, 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 the Bible, the audio Bible. Play it out. The word of God is spirit and life. As it's being read in that atmosphere in your house, in that bedroom, it will deal with the presence of the enemy. The devil is not afraid of a written Bible. He's afraid of what is in the Bible when it is released. The words on your lips are powerful. When God's word on your lips is as powerful as God's word in his own mouth. So we speak the word of God. We sing anointed songs. Biblical and scripturally based gospel music. Not those other ones. Amen. Those ones the devil is not afraid of. Sing proper songs. Amen. Bible based songs in Jesus name. Now let's go to the second category of demons. In the scriptures we find another description. That is a category of demons. And that is deceiving or seducing spirits. Deceiving spirits. Or seducing spirits. They are the same thing. Deceiving spirits. Seducing spirits. These type of demons are very deceptive. They lie to people. They are lying spirits. And they draw many away. Most of their area of speciality is false doctrines. They can mislead you. You may think you have heard God. You have not heard God. You may think that God may be leading you somewhere, but God is not. They can draw you into doctrines that may look scripture, but they are not. And so deceiving and seducing spirits, they are described in scripture. This type of evil spirits has to do with wrong teaching, false teaching, and wrong thought patterns. They pervert the teachings of God, twist the word of God, and lead people away from the faith. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. It says, now the Holy Spirit speaks clearly or expressly that in the last days, we are in the last days. The last days began on the day of Pentecost. When people came around and they asked and mocked at the apostles, Peter stopped and said, we are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that with the prophet Joel prophesied, that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. So if what they were experiencing in Acts chapter 2 was the beginning of the last days, then we have come very far into the last days. And the scripture says, the spirit of God clearly says that in the last days, some shall depart from the faith. That means these were people who used to be Christians. That's why you have to be careful of this one saved, forever saved. Otherwise, this scripture must be removed from the Bible. It says some will depart from the faith. They will depart from the faith. Satan can draw them away from the faith. It says in the last days, some shall depart from the faith. And they will give heed to seducing spirits. 
and doctrines taught by devils or demons. You see, the introduction of seducing spirits brought in doctrines taught by demons. It looks like they are the chancellors of the university of the devil that spews out wrong doctrines. Principles of wrong doctrines. They have the curriculum to mislead people away from the faith. They may make you do stuff that you may think is Bible, but it's not. And the fact that something is written in the Bible, the context is very important in doctrinal analysis. So you don't end up drinking stuff that you shouldn't drink. Don't you see some churches where some pastors are asking people to drink stuff? And they base it on some scriptures. A deceiving spirit, a seducing spirit, is propagating a doctrine taught by demons. Some people are chewing grass and drinking disinfectants. It's that same voice that tells people there was a church. There are some churches that create these problems as well. There was a church in another West African country. <laughs> and the pastor believes that it is sinful. It is wrong. It is not an act of faith. It's against the word of God. For women to deliver babies through cesarean section. This is a clear doctrine taught by demons. And people's wives die. Wrong doctrine. Which of the scriptures say so? If God chose to bring that baby to the world through cesarean, so be it. It's not a sign of unbelief. It is knowledge that God has given that must be used to deliver a baby. So a woman doesn't die. Needless death in the name of so-called faith. It's the same thing that when there's delay in the baby coming because of the anatomy of the woman. Sometimes so many things may have changed. Probably the baby is even breached and all kinds of things. The doctors are thinking about how to do this thing. Then they say, no, um, you are a Hebrew woman. And then they misquote the scripture in Exodus. Listen, if you are born again, understand that scripture. Women, listen, that scripture of the Hebrew women giving birth. Before the midwives arrive, has nothing to do with the birth process. It was a lie the Hebrew women, the midwives, the Egyptian midwives, cooked up to convince the Pharaoh because they were coming against the Pharaoh's order. The Pharaoh told the midwives to kill every male child that is delivered at their maternity uh, centers. And the Bible said, if you read account in Exodus, it said the Egyptian midwives they feared God. So they spared the Hebrew male children. And when the Pharaoh summoned them to question them, why have they spared the babies from being born? In order to escape the wrath of the Pharaoh, they cooked up a lie to say it's not our fault. The Hebrew women were lively women. And by the time we arrived, they have already given birth and we can't do much. It was a lie they used to cover up their scheme. But it is not a scriptural injunction that the woman of God that believes God, the child of God, is lively. And before the midwife came, I will deliver. Don't kill yourself in that wrong scripture. 
It's totally unbiblical, it's totally wrong, and don't apply it to your life. When it becomes necessary for the baby to be delivered by caesarean, allow it Amen. and be wise. Amen. The scripture says that the children of God must be wise. Amen. Unfortunately, that scripture also says the children of the world are more wiser than those in the kingdom. Be a wise child Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. And pastors must not allow their ladies in the church to die needless death. In the name of this misrepresentation of scripture, which I believe is a total influence of the voices of seducing spirits that are projecting wrong doctrines in certain places. At another time, I will come and address doctrines and certain practices that have been going on in churches. It doesn't matter how big that church is. If that is doctrinally wrong, we will prove it from the scriptures. In Jesus' name. Because some of those places, they too, they are in competition with some of the wrong places. So they need people in their place. So they start doing some of these things. Foot washing. We don't practice that. If we practice that according to the word of God, it has nothing prophetic in this nature. It has nothing to do with delivering your family house from anything. Please, read the Bible. Amen. It's nothing to do. If I will ever do that, I've always said that to my pastors, I will only do that at an ordination service. Because the only time Jesus used that was to teach us servant leadership. He says, I have washed your feet, so wash the feet of the others. Even today when we apply it, how many visitors do you get in your house whose feet you wash? It's a practice you are not even, you don't know. Are you here? It's a Jewish practice in those days. There are no cars. They have to walk distances. When they come, the lowest of the slave in the house will have to wash the feet of the people before they get into the living room to sit down for hygiene purposes. Amen. And that's why Jesus did that to teach them that the position of serving the people in the house of God is not to lord it over them, but to serve them. And that's why he provided that as an example. It was never intended as a prophetic action under any circumstance. Check the scriptures. When some wrong people practice it, and the fact that a big church practices it, it doesn't make it Bible. Amen. Okay, let's go on. In Jesus' name. Right. So, seducing spirits. They are involved in teaching wrong things. They, they, they pervert the teachings of God. In Jesus' name. First John chapter 4. Verse 1 to 6. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Test the spirits. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So there is a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of error. For the spirit of truth, Jesus introduced us to him. In John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, he says, even he, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will direct you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit 
is the spirit of truth. Therefore, the spirit of error is an unholy spirit. It's the devil. It's the demon. It's a demon. They propagate false doctrines. And so he says, the proper doctrine, that's why he says, test the spirits. Because there are many spirits. Three categories of spirits. But there's a spirit of error. It will lead us away from the word of God. So you need to be mindful of seducing spirits in the name of Jesus. Something may appear to be working, but it doesn't make it coming from God. There are certain practices that are practiced in satanic shrines. It may be brought into church. A lot of people flock into the place. And sometimes we, everybody gets deceived without interrogating the scripture with the spirit of God. And then we all start practicing it without checking the scriptures. The fact that something appears to be working does not necessarily mean it is coming from the spirit of God. Hallelujah. It is temporary. It, the results does not mean it is from God. Hallelujah. There was a girl who was prophesying correctly concerning Paul. But what she's saying is not of God. The spirit in her was not from God. So be careful of that in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 20 verse 29, 30. It says, for I know this. Acts chapter 20 verse 29 to 30. I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Wrong doctrine. To draw away disciples after them. It's an act of a seducing and a lying spirit. A lying spirit, a seducing spirit, a deceiving spirit can lead you into error. And that's why we need to discern what kind of voice we are hearing. Because the enemy also speaks. Falling angels have not lost their wings. So an angel can still appear to you with wings, but it's a demon. That's why there are certain places where you have got angel worship. And they think they are worshiping an angel from God. When you check the scriptures, when angels that came directly from the presence of God appear, they reject worship. They reject worship. The ones in scripture that accepted worship, they were the Lord himself which we call Theophanes or Christophanes, the manifestations of Christ in the Old Testament, when the angel appeared and stood there before Joshua. And Joshua said, are you for us or against us? He said, I am the captain of the host. That's the Lord himself. That was the Lord himself. That was a manifestation of the Christ before he was even born. And it happened again at Christophany was the event that happened in the days of Nebuchadnezzar when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego defied the bowing down to the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible says they were arrested, tied, and the furnace was heated seven times, and they were thrown in. And when they were thrown in, Nebuchadnezzar, a heathen king, an unbelieving king, said, his eyes were open. He said, didn't we put three men bound into the fire, I see a fourth man like the son of God. How did he know? His eyes were open spiritually to see a fourth man. Hallelujah. So you have to understand that we must be careful when it comes to these things. And understand that the spirit of God is the one that you need to walk with. And whenever God's spirit is the one speaking, there will be confirmation in his house. Amen. There will be confirmation from your pastor. First, God never bypassed that law. It's established in scripture. And then there will be biblical confirmations that will prove 
that it is God. So you are not misled in Jesus' name. Amen. Please come with me to 1 Kings. First Kings 22, verse 19 to 23. Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. This was a prophet of God. Ahab and Jehoshaphat were seeking to know the mind of God concerning a war they were about to attend. But we are told that God has determined in the realm of the spirit that Ahab will fall. And so there was a consensus. According to Micaiah, this is what he saw in the spirit. That the Lord asked, who will entice the king to go into battle and die? Sometimes there are things that you haven't planned to do. Something just fills your mind and you feel you are hearing God and you want to move. The, uh, the things on the ground is correct, but a deceiving spirit is luring you into death, into hardship, into trouble, and into failure. The Bible says, Micaiah said, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by him. On his right hand and on his left. Verse 20. The Lord said, who will entice Ahab to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? There is a judgment against Ahab. There have been a prophecy from the days of Elijah. Ever since Ahab robbed Naboth of his vineyard and organized his death, God has determined that there will be judgment against Ahab. And when the fullness of time came, Ahab was set up in the spirit. A lying spirit, a deceiving spirit gave him justification. It is true that Ramoth Gilead belonged to them. It is true they must go and fight for it. But something, it was the right, wrong time to go and fight for something that you think God was leading you into. It was a setup. When we're growing up, we have people that had no business going to the seaside. They had come from church, dressed nicely. And for some reason, he decides to go near the beach. And then by the evening, we hear that the sea, he has been drowned in the sea. And sometimes you will hear your grandparents and grandfathers saying things like, the sea called for him. The thing was calling for him. They knew what they were talking about. They understand certain spiritual things. Something has been set up. A deceiving spirit lured him into the seaside. The same spirit made him think he can swim. And as he entered, powers of darkness drowned him. Don't make certain mistakes in Jesus' name. The Bible said that who will entice Ahab to go and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said, while another said that, another said this. Then a spirit, take note of that. This was not an angel of God. A spirit came forward and stood before the Lord. These were all visions that Michal was seeing. So he's actually... You know, reporting something he saw in the spirit in human terms so we can understand. Then he says, a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said, how are you going to do that? And he said, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then the Lord said, you are to entice him and also succeed. So God permitted, not that he actually has an evil lying spirit that he sponsors. God hates lies. He wasn't sponsoring lying here. The demon is already a lying spirit. The scripture describes it as a deceiving spirit. It's already a deceiving spirit. It is its nature. God only permitted it to have that. God has his own 
eternal plans from the foundations of the earth. And he's the Lord of hosts. He can use anything. He permitted an evil spirit to torment King Saul. He permitted this to go and harass this king and lure him. And the luring starts from actually making sure that all the prophets have suddenly come under an anointing of a deceiving spirit. Check the prophecies that you are receiving. Check the voice that you think you are hearing. The Bible says these were prophets, but because they have allowed themselves to be controlled by Ahab, they have become stomach direction, filthy looker seeking prophets. They have ceased hearing from God. And an evil spirit came to use all of them. And they all kept on prophesying to the king. Go to Ramoth Gilead. It is the will of the Lord. You will be victorious. 400 prophets are prophesying. Don't we say that the majority carries the vote? I tell you in the realm of the spirit, most of the time and some of the time, the majority may not carry the vote. The Bible says only one man, Micaiah, could hear from God. And said, this is a setup. This is a setup. The only person who shocks me in this story is Jehoshaphat. You, when the 400 prophesied, for some reason you could discern that they were all not correct. So you said, you want to be sure, is there no prophet of the Lord here? That means you have discerned that the 400 prophets of Baal were not correct. That you could discern that they are hearing, but what they are hearing is not God. They are prophesying all right, but the prophecy is not coming from God. And yet, when the true prophet came and prophesied that the king will go and die, you still followed and went to battle. Jehoshaphat. What? May you be delivered in Jesus' name. Hey, Jeho. This is serious. This is serious. What is wrong with this man? Anyway, let's finish this. Then the Lord said, you have to entice And so he he went. Verse 23. He says, now then, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all these prophets. And the Lord has proclaimed a disaster against you. Deceiving spirits can lure you to think something is of God. Check things with the spirit. Another time when I come and I'm teaching on hearing from God and correcting some of these excesses that go on. That's why Paul thought about it. You will see how you get the confirmation and how you are sure it is God. Because the enemy can set you up for destruction. And you think you don't matter. You've been binding him when you're under the right protection. You've been binding demons. No new devils are created. They are timing you. A day you mess up, they will lure you into things that you never thought. They can lure you into a financial mess, can lure you into a business mess, can lure you into a marriage, a marital mess, can lure you into stuff. I know a man of God, somewhere along the line, he missed something. He said, be careful of filthy lucre, money. He ended up marrying someone that you can describe as if it's the Satan himself who has changed into a woman. He escaped for the rest, for his life. He escaped, but that is after some four years. Four years of hell. Four years of manifestation. Four years of stuff. And you ask yourself, such a man, how did you end up saying yes to such a proposal? Or you proposing to this one? Did you check with God? May the Lord help us. In Jesus' name, deceiving spirits. He says, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of your prophets. They lure people into things. In Jesus' name. That's what Jesus said in Mark 12, 24, that you walk in error because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. The power of God he was talking about here is the Holy Spirit. And you must know the scriptures and the Holy Spirit combined. You have a balance Amen. in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
So there are people like that that come up with doctrines and people even follow them that these are the right men and they are punching holes in the scriptures. They don't know anything. They are being used by deceiving spirits who are actually also following people who have nothing. They don't know the scriptures. They don't know the word of God. They are also being deceived. There's such a person who sits on radio sometimes in Ghana and he's just deceiving and he's just, he has a lot of following. He said they call them common sense people. Man, what does he know? I was in America and somebody just played one and said, this guy is punching, I said he's punching nothing. As soon as he started talking and I listened, I said, oh, this guy, he's coming from this side of Judaism. He has read these books. He has done this. He has done this. This is where he's speaking his things from. But because he has a lot of people who are ignorant of the scriptures, church history, biblical foundation and biblical studies, they think he's bringing revelation. He's bringing nothing. That's why the church must teach the true word of God in Jesus' name. So all such people are silenced. And people open themselves to doctrines of demons and sex spirits through spiritisms, horoscopes, fortune telling, palm reading, psychics, and all these means. This is how people end up opening themselves to seducing spirits. It's an effective Powerful ministry gifts that is released by heaven to destroy the lies of the enemy. We are called to teach the truth to destroy the lies. May the Lord grace anointed teachers in the name of Jesus who will teach balanced doctrine in the word of God. That will free and deliver the minds of the people in Jesus most excellent and holy name. Shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know whether I should end here and continue this next week. Because we have done some time now. Amen. At least an hour is fine. We will continue next week. In the name of Jesus. Amen.